You know, I'd like to tell you all a little story this morning. Can you turn me down just a little bit? I don't want to blast everybody out. Uh, you know, I just want to thank the Lord for my job as a youth minister. I'm not a preacher. I'm more of a teacher. And I just want to thank the Lord for the job that he's given me. But I just want to tell you a little story about my kids growing up because, you know, my kids are my life. And I'm talking about my own personal children this time. We were uh, living up on the hilltop, and uh, me and Boo was gone to bed. That Boo was about that big. And me and Boo had gone to bed, and we were in there wrestling, carrying on. And I heard the biggest ruckus in the bathroom going on like you've never heard. And I was thinking, what in the... Letha was just tearing Savannah and Maggie up. I mean, going to beat them to death and everything else. And me and Boo just in there getting it. And Letha come in there, she said, Ronnie, get up and get in here. These girls are lying to me. They have got fingernail polish remover all over this bathroom, and I'm going to find out who did it, and I'm going to bust their tail. I kind of looked at Boo, and I said, let's go, dog. Let's go get it. <laughs> so, and Savannah and Maggie were about like this and like this. And so I walk in the bathroom, and, you know, Boo, I stopped at the door, and Savannah and Maggie's over against the wall, and Letha's right there against the counter, and Boo's just crawling between my legs, having a big time. I mean, she's playing, carrying on. And I sat there and looked at the girls for a little while, and I said, and Letha was just wearing them out, and I said, hold on just a second. I said, Savannah Lee, did you do that? Did you put that fingernail polish on me over where? She cracked a smile. She said, Daddy, I didn't do it. That's okay. I said, uh, and this whole time, Mary Taylor's just laughing, cutting up, having a big time. And I said, Maggie Lee, did you put that fingernail polish all over this bathroom counter here? She started smiling too. And she said, I didn't do it, Daddy, I promise. And I said, let me smell y'all's fingers. So I walked over to Savannah, and this whole time, Mary Taylor just still getting it. I walked over to Savannah, and I smelt her hands, and I was like, hmm, wasn't her. Walked over to Maggie, smelt her hands, and said, hmm, wasn't her. Boo looked, at me, looked up at me. She said, I need to wash my hands. <laughs> so me and Boo didn't go back to bed. <laughs> if you get the drift. <laughs> Boo and I didn't go back to bed. Uh, <laughs> Boo was up for a little while. <laughs> uh, I would like to say something tonight about uh, Good. Where's Good at? Good got saved last one day last week while we were at Fall Creek Falls. It's Thursday or Friday morning. Uh, I was out sweeping the tables. Annette, Annette was sweeping the tables the floors and for some reason Ronnie was going to do something and she said do you want to sweep or she had to do something I said sure so I started sweeping and I'm sitting there sweeping for about three minutes thank you Lord <laughs> and good walks out and she's walking right toward me and she stops at the end of the table right there and I'm sweeping and the the spirit come over me and I looked at her and I said have you been saved and she looked at me and she said that's why I'm here you know, that's, that's why I'm here. And I just want everybody, if you don't mind, give good. She got baptized Sunday night. Good, okay. The fairy, you know, she's real shy, you can tell. She don't say a whole lot to anybody. She's real shy. She walked in the back door back there, and 
And I went up to her and I said, hey, I'm Ronnie Lee. I'm the youth minister here. And she went, I'm good. I said, well, hey, good. I'm Ronnie Lee. I'll talk, to, I'll talk to you in a little while. So she's been good ever since. Uh, and you know, the one thing about, uh, don't forget the youth meeting next Sunday night at 530. Uh, business meeting tonight, 530. Deacon, deacon's meeting at 4. Now you got to realize I'm a youth minister. If I can't get what I got to say in 20 minutes, I'm out of business. Because with the youth, you got to hit it, and you got to hit it when you can. And today, what I'm going to talk about is uh, what we're going to talk about. And, and like I said, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. Uh, is trials. Because, you know, the one thing about a Christian is we're either going through a trial or we're coming out of a trial. And if you're not, <laughs> you might want to see what side of the fence you're on. And uh, I'm going to start, if you don't mind, let's st uh, stand for the reading of God's Word. And the, my title of my message today is, The Teacher is Quiet When Given a Test. First <clears throat> Peter 4.12, please. If you're there, hold up, stand up, whatever. You ready? Let's hold up. Right after James. You there yet, Jelly? Somebody help him. Now let me go ahead, and I'll go ahead and get started just to little tell you a little bit about what's going on here. You know, in Peter, you know, Peter is an encourager. He is one trying to encourage these people because their faith, and they're, they're getting persecuted for the Christianity. I mean, their trials and tribulations are far more than ours. You know, they're getting beaten. They're getting persecuted, uh, whipped, beat, jailed, just because of their Christianity. You know, uh, and what Peter's trying to do here, he's trying to say, hey, hang on. It's going to be worth it. So let's read this right here. It says, Beloved. Now that means he loves us. It says, Beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trials which is to try you as though something strange, something strange happened to you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this time and this opportunity, Lord. I thank you for this church, Lord. And Lord, I ask that all the words that come out of my mouth, Lord, be edifying to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm going to read you a, the NIV version of that, what Peter says in the NIV version. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. You know, that's, that's kind of... That's kind of crazy because when we get in these trials where I, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I get like, why is this happening to me? Why me? You know, I've, I read my Bible this morning. I did these things this morning. But let, let me throw something at you, man. This is pretty enlightening to, to an old country boy like me. Uh, what is a trial? 
And I'm going to tell you here what the Webster Dictionary says a trial is. Now, this is the Webster Dictionary. It says, an experiment to test quality, <laughs> value, or usefulness. My goodness. <laughs> and that's the worldly definition. Now, let me tell you what the... Uh, <clears throat> Let me tell you what the Nelson's Bible uh, dictionary says. A temptation or an ad adversity, adversity, the enduring of which proves the merit of an individual's faith. So I may be getting this all wrong, but I don't know that a trial isn't a positive thing. Hallelujah. I mean, if I'm, not, if I'm getting this right now, a trial which we hate going in and we hate in the middle of it, huh, it's sharpening us. You know, in my, you know, I'll be 50 in a few months, uh, and in my 50 years of living, I have learned one thing, that the older I get and the more trials I go through, the wiser I get on how to handle those trials. Now, did you hear, now just think about what that says. It, the merit which proves an individual's faith. Wow. Wow. Or a, uh, a temptation or an ad adversity, the enduring of which proves a man's merits faith, an experiment to test quality, value, usefulness. Has anybody thought a trial was useful? Have you? I'm starting to. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it because like I said earlier, whether you're going through a trial, <laughs> whether you're going in one or coming out, you're doing one of the two if you're on the right side of the Lord. There's one of the, one of the two is happening. Uh, can, you, can you believe that, that going through a trial is a positive thing? You know, that, it's a mindset, man. You know, life is a mindset. You know, it's, not, it's just not... It's just not uh, trials, but being a Christian's a mindset, amen? I mean, if you're not in, you're out. If you're on the fence, you're out. Uh, don't let anybody kid you about that. Uh, every trial becomes a, a test of faith designed to strengthen. <clears throat> if the believer fails a test, okay, I'm going to get me a drink. If you're in a trial and the believer f gives the wrong answer to the Lord, because, you know, there's answers there. I mean, and, you know, it's just the simplest of things. I was in the office. I won't even go there. Uh, but it's just the simplest things. If, 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 if trials, if you give the wrong answer to God during trials, those trials turn into temptation, which turn into sin. And you know what sin does once it gets in. It kicks the door down. It takes it off. It just don't want just a little bit. Um, you know, every plan that God has for us, every plan that God has for us, the devil has a plan for us. Every single one, every plan. You know, that just blows my mind because I'm thinking about all these plans God's got for me. Uh, you know, the devil's right over here with, this, with the opposite plans. Um, but I, one thing I want you to remember that uh, God's got a plan for us, but his plan is a process. It's not going to happen, you know, overnight. There's four attitudes that we need to have during trials.
uh, four attitudes. And one is to expect it, because it's going to come. The second one is rejoice in it. The third one is evaluate it. And the fourth one is entrust God in it. You know, and if I'm going to start with expect it first, uh, it was probably two years ago I was having a crazy Wednesday day for a for the average person, the average Christian, just battling and battling and battling. And I, I, it was a Wednesday night, and I had the youth taken care of. Somebody was teaching for me that Wednesday night, and I told myself, I said, you know, I'm not going to church tonight. I'm going to drop Boo off at Awana's, and I'm going to make that circle, and I'm going to head back home. So I did exactly what I do. I drove down here, made, dropped Boo off at that door, made that circle, pulled right out there at that driveway, and I hung a right. My phone rang. And you know, everybody's got, everybody needs somebody that they can talk to that, that's not from here, that's a Christian, that, that knows the Bible. And my phone rang and I answered it. And Casey Jones said, out of the blue now, you know, brother, we all struggle. <laughs> I said, uh, how in the world did you know I was struggling? And the next, next word is key. Do you think you're special? Do you think, Ronnie Lee, do you think you're special? I mean, I thought I was special. I thought I was special that I didn't struggle through trials. Amen? And so I said, uh, and then I'm still trying to figure this out. I said, hey, you didn't hear what I said. I'm struggling. He said, okay. Sure you are. So then you know what I had to do. I had to turn around. <laughs> because it got to be about me. And it wasn't about him. And uh, you know, we're on the first attitude now. And the first attitude's expected. Now in Luke... 4, 1 through 13. You know, this is where the devil is, is testing, tempting Jesus. He tempts him three times. The first time he says, uh, and you know, now hang on just a second. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. Oh boy, he wasn't hungry, was he? You know, if that had been me or Nick. <laughs> if they had to go with Sonic break. Uh Okay, listen now. He'd been fasting for 40 days, and the devil says, the devil says to Jesus, Hey, big boy, you think, all, you think you're hungry and all this. Why don't you turn these rocks into bread? Jesus wouldn't do it. Then the second time that the, uh, the devil tempted him, he said, You know, look at this. If you'll just worship me, all this can be yours. All of it. Jesus said, I can't do it, man. I just can't do it. And the third time, he, the devil said to Jesus, said, hey, just jump off here. Just jump off here. Your angels will catch you. Ain't no big deal. And Jesus said, you know, I can't do that. But you look at verse 413. Will you put that up there? Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed for him to a more opportune time. 
Do you get that? Do you get that? He had tried everything he could with Jesus at that point. So and he figured out he couldn't, the devil couldn't get Anna on this. So he's going to pull back his forces. And he's going to wait for a more opportune time. When you get down, and you know, you got to think about that too. What he was going about was where Jesus was weak, was bread. Where did he hit him? Where did he hit him? Right off, right off the bat. That's right. So you've got to think about that. And you know, for a more opportune time, and we're not talking about just any individual. You know, we're talking about Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And we're talking about, we're talking about the devil said, I, I'm going to wait on him. What do you think he's going to do to you? All right, let's move on to round two. The next one's rejoice in it. Let's turn to 1 Peter 4.13. Have you ever rejoiced in a trial? <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm getting better at it. Now, 4.13, it says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering. <laughs> Have you ever rejoiced like that? Did you hear what I just said? It says, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. That's deep. That's deep. And that's during a trial that we're supposed to act like that. Uh, you know, the thing about, the thing, one thing about us in trials and, and rejoicing in it, you know, if we're, we're in the middle of a trial and we're, we're uh, having a real bad day and, and uh, oh my goodness, I'm in a trial, it's not working out, this isn't going to work out, what different are we from the world? If we don't have joy in a trial, what different are we from the world? We're, that's right. There's none. You know, you've got to think about those things. If we don't have joy in trials, I mean, we're just like the world. Okay. James 1.2. You don't have to turn there. James 1.2 says, My brethren, count it all blessings when you fall into the various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith <laughs> produces patience. Now, I know trouble don't need patience. I know I don't need patience. You know, I know we don't need patience. But if we do, I mean, James has got some pretty good stuff there. It produces trials. During trials, it produces patience. Do you ever want to know how to get patience? <clears throat> you know, it, it's not human nature. It's not human nature for us as Christians or as anybody, as human beings, to rejoice during trials. It's not human nature, is it? I mean, I just, uh, I just wrecked my car and, all right, hallelujah. You know, whoo, party down, baby. It's not normal. It's not normal for us when we go through trials to have joy. But you know what it is? It's a mindset. You know, it's a mindset. You've got to be com committed. It's like we taught a class in Gulf Shores, um, believers and livers. And I'll get that in a little while. But it's a mindset. 
You have to have joy. You have to have it. <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like a doctor. You know, a doctor goes through ten years of schooling. They go through all these tests. They go through all these trials. They do all these things, and uh, you know, when they get closer to the end of being a doctor, they seem to smile a little more. They have their knowledge of their medical field, and they rejoice. They can rejoice when they get their degree. And, you know, that's kind of like the process with us, isn't it, as a Christian? You know, we get the knowledge, just like a doctor. We put it to use, just like the doctor. And we grow in our profession, which our profession is Christian. Uh, and it's, it, that just kind of reminded me of a doctor. Um, I hope I don't get you on this one. Number three. Evaluate it. Let's go to 4, 15 through 18. First Peter. Y'all ready? I didn't have any hold up. Here we go. But let none of your surf sufferings as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Watch out now. Y'all ain't nobody's business, are you? Now, we're evaluating it. We're evaluating it. You know, what, what uh, Peter's saying there is, what are you doing to bring this on? What are you doing? Are you a murderer? Nah, surely a busybody isn't a sin, is it? I'm going to move on. Uh, yet anyone suffering as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify in this matter. For the time has come for the judgment to begin at the house of God, and if it begins with us first, that's us. What will in the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, I've been reading the Bible for, and First Peter is, is one of my favorites. I've been reading it for a while. I've never noticed this, this next verse. If the righteous one is scarcely saved, who are the ungodly and the sinners appear? Now, if you don't know what righteous is, it is holy and upright, living in accordance with God's, God's standards, being right with God. You know what scarcely means? Barely. Barely. Now, let, let's read that again. If the righteous one is scarcely saved. Now, I'm talking about a righteous one. I'm not talking about somebody that comes to church on Sunday, Wednesday, and Sunday night. I'm talking about a righteous person in, in the eyes of Christ. They are barely saved. So if I'm sitting on the fence, I'm just saying. I'm just saying if the righteous is scarcely saved. Now there's another thing on evaluate it. Uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Um, you know... Everybody in here watches TV, don't they? Uh, what are you watching on TV? Because you don't think that messes with your head. You know, if all you hear is cussing and stomping and kicking and sex and all these things, that, that all is all our TV's about now, that you can't watch when your kids are in the room, watch out now. You have to make the kids go out so you can watch it. Uh, I'm just saying, the TV shows that you watch, that, that's got a lot to do with your trials. 
not necessarily the music that you listen to. Now I hope and pray to the Lord that my kids don't watch those things, MTV and, and CNT and those things. Um, they're not supposed to. You know, and the music you listen to, the music you listen to has as much to do with it as anything. Because have you heard these songs nowadays? Somebody runs over your dog and you drink a beer and kill the cat. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It. I got, we listen to contemporary Christian music and I got strung out on some country music station that I have never in my life, it's been years since I've heard such stuff that is not of the Lord. No way fashion. Porn. I know we're all Christians here. I know we're all saved by the blood of Christ, but there's people in here that watch porn. Where do you think that's going? Where do you think that's going? You know, well, how about, how about your friends? How about your friends that you run with? Have, would they have anything to do with the trials you're in? A little bit. A little bit. You know, I'm just saying that you need to evaluate where these things are coming from. And when you start evaluating, you start growing. You start growing in these things. <clears throat> you know, I had a friend. She worked at a convenience store. And hated her job with a passion. She didn't work for Ralph. She didn't. Hated her job with a passion. All we ever prayed about was her finding her another job. Okay? So we prayed about it, we prayed about it, and... Three or four months later, she was in the office there, and she and I were talking about it, and I said, well, how's it going on your job, job hunt? She said, oh, it's not good. I said, well, let me ask you a question. How are you acting at work? Oh, and her head went, thump. She said, like the devil. And that told me a whole lot right there, because how in the world do you expect the Lord to move you from this job Move the devil over here to over here to, to affect these people. These people are already affected. And I told her, I said, how do you expect the Lord to move you when what you're doing here already affects those people? How do you expect him to give you something better? Because the Lord will not give you any more than you can't handle. And you believe me. He'll try you, won't he, Kirby? He'll put as much on your plate as you can handle. And then he'll cut it off. Okay. <clears throat> you know, a good thing that old Jensen Franklin always says about evaluating, what goes in your head goes in your bed. You know, whatever you go to at night looking at on TV, whatever you go to, going to bed looking, listening to on the radio, whatever it is, whatever goes in your bed stays in your head. Whatever stays in your head, you carry it to bed with you. You know, one of the two. Uh, Okay, the last one's in trust in the Lord. And this is number four, in trust in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5. It's up there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, we must trust him because he knows the plan. <laughs> we don't know the plan. Thank you, Lord. 
We don't know the plan. We have to entrust with him with everything we've got. Let's go to James 1.12. It's up there. Blessed is the man who endures temptations, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now this is in trials. This is doing what God wants us to do in trial instead of what Ronnie wants us to do in trial. Um, Christians are to live with the understanding that God's purpose in the future requires some pain in the present. Did you get that? I read that a little fast. Christians are to live with the understanding that God's purpose in the future requires some pain in the present. It's good, isn't it? That's good stuff. You know, one thing about a trial, it's a, bad, a trial is a bad day for the world and a glorious day for a Christian. Is that not right? A bad day for the world is a good day for a Christian. First uh, Peter 5.10. I'm going to give you what Peter says will happen when you get through these trials. And you know, me and Savannah, this is one of Savannah's favorite verses when uh, she has a few troubles. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ, Jesus. Now listen to this next part. After you have suffered for a little while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's his promise to us. If you're in his will, and you're doing what he needs you to do. That's what it says to do. He will perfect, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. And you know, I work with the youth, and they don't know this little trick. Because my message is, is through, but I want to ask you a question. And this is a personal question, and don't take it wrong. What's in this box? Nothing. Nothing's in this box, is it? You see anything there, Chad? Anybody see anything in there? You know why there's nothing in this box? Because I hadn't put anything in it. If you're wondering what's coming out of your mouth, if you're wondering what's coming out of your ears, if you're wondering what's going into your eyes, what are you putting in it? Do you hear me? The reason there's nothing in this box is because I didn't put anything in it. The reason there's not some things in people's hearts is because they ain't put nothing in it. You know, if you're not reading your Bible and if you're not studying God's Word, hmm. do you hear what I'm saying? And I'm not nailing anybody. I'm just saying there's a book that tells you how to live. And that book will put something in your box because there ain't nothing there. And if you're, not, if you're not reading your Bible and you're not doing what the Lord asks you to do, I can promise you one thing. What's coming out of your mouth and what's going in your head and what's coming out of your head is not godly. It'd be a godly for a little while, but it won't stick. If anybody, if anybody would like to... Uh, put something in their box this morning this altar's open uh, and we're going to sing this song thought I'd tell you that
going to be worth it uh but you know i've just got this on my heart aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired hey man aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired you know and there's a way to give that to the lord where you don't have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired i've been sick and tired of being sick and tired and i was sick and tired i hate being sick and tired because i have joy now i have a reason I have a reason, and I just would hate for, I'd just like to to ask you, take a chance, take that plunge, both feet, because you know, my, my relationship with the Lord didn't get right until five and a half years ago at Ski Invasion, when I was on my knees, hands and knees, squalling like a baby in front of 5,000 kids. I'm the only fat boy up there squalling like everything. And I told the Lord then, it's all yours. Whatever I got. Have you ever done that? Whatever I got. Whatever I got. Whatever you want me to do is yours. <laughs> Watch out. It all changes. But, you know, I would always give, here you go, Lord, you take this, but I'm going to. I'm going to keep this back here. I may need that later. I may need that old cuss word or whatever I need. I may need that back here later. But when I threw it on the ground, it stayed on the ground because my mindset was of Christ. I've got one goal, and that's to get my family and my youth and my church to heaven. That's my goal. 